There's a lot of good going on, but the darkness always attacks the good and wants to make it of none effect. But as we said earlier, we know how the book ends and we're going to be victorious. But I've learned over the last couple of weeks to be extra vigilant because there's spiritual wickedness in high places going on. Yeah. High places. And whether uh, our president uh, goofed up or didn't goof up or this or that, what's going on is not right. And uh, we just need to move on. Okay. All right. But pray. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6. What am I? Am I, am I okay? Okay. Okay. Well, let's go uh, back into Ephesians. We're going to finish Ephesians tonight, and you're going to find out about a man tonight that probably none of you know about if I tell you his name. But he's a hero of the Bible, and we don't even know who he is. Uh, We'll get to that. We'll get to him in just a minute, okay? Let's go back to verse 10. Remember, Dan... uh, Gave his little demonstration last week with putting on the armor of God. And I want you, I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation tonight, especially with the things that we're talking about, about accidents and sicknesses and things like that. We need to put on the whole armor of God. And so um, I just want to, I'm reading out of the New Living, which amplifies it a little bit for me. Uh, Verse 10, Paul's writing to the Ephesians church. And you know that was a church at the crossroads, a very important church on the trade routes north and south. It was one of the more mature churches. It wasn't a letter of correction. It was more of a letter of exhortation and encouragement. Um, and it was also mentioned in the book of Revelation. It's one church that is one epistle church that is mentioned in the book of Revelation also. So you can see the importance of Ephesus. Okay. Today, the name of the place is Ishmir in Turkey. And we know the upheaval that's going on all around Turkey. They're playing both sides against the middle, and there's just so much going on. But look what Paul says. He says a final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we're not fighting against people, people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. That's who we're fighting against right now, okay? Spiritual wickedness. And against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms, okay? Now, there's three categories when it comes to things that happen in our life. Number one is a lot of people want to blame God for bad. God does not do bad. God judges. He's merciful. He's also just. But sometimes we bring things on ourselves, and sometimes we, the devil makes us do things. But I think sometimes the devil gets way too much blame for what goes on. Because, as it said right here, if we put on the whole armor of God, now, we're we're talking on a level that's bigger than accidents and dog bites and bunions and stuff like that. I mean, God takes all that into consideration. But the thing is, is that our body is a temporal thing. It's going to pass away. It's doing it right now as we're sitting here and listening and talking to one another. We are passing away. Though the hour man perish day to day, we're renewed where? In the inner man, we're strengthening the inner man. So the most important feature of the gospel is to separate 
the flesh, which we all know how to operate in, and have more of a spiritual condemnation on things. So we need to realize that how many of you have ever felt demonic oppression? I mean, real demonic oppression in your life. And you just, you couldn't fight it on a physical plane. It would keep you up all night and this and that. But spiritually, you can attack demonic forces with the power of prayer because it says our weapons are mighty through the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds are what's set up by the enemy in our lives. Areas where we won't let God in. Satan has erected a fort there. And so, how do you breach a fort? <laughs> you got to fight against that thing, you know? Yes, brother, go ahead. I'll make a comment about the kind of prayer. Because the kind of prayer that fights Satan's strongest is praising God. When we praise God, that causes pain to Satan. He's such an egotist that he can't stand hearing us praise God. And his jealousy consumes him to the point where it causes him terrible pain. So, when we praise God, we separate ourselves from Satan. We bring God in between. We bring the Holy Spirit in between us and Him. Okay. It's a tremendous power that we don't make use of enough. Right. Well, how many of you ever, uh, I know one of the things that people pray a lot is a hedge of protection. Amen. I believe in a hedge of protection. Amen. I've never uh, seen hedgerows like they have over in uh, where uh, Catherine's from. I mean, it's just not a hedge like we have little bushes out in front of the house. Them things are enormous. And and I was reading, you know, during the Second World War and things, there were some hedgerows that were so thick that you couldn't hardly drive a tank through the thing because they were just these immense, thick, and a man could not make his way through them. They were just so thick that they needed. But uh, what, what was my uh, thought process? When you go back into Job, and when he came before Jesus, he said, he couldn't touch Job because he had a hedge, hedge around, around him. So, Lord, right now, we just ask that you hedge us all yes, in. Lord, that we use our weapons that we have at our disposal for our protection. Let us protect what we can protect. But, Lord, we just pray for that hedge. We pray for that protection around us that the enemy can't penetrate. And as, and as was said, we have weapons that we don't use. And, Lord, teach us how to use these weapons that you're going to describe here in the next couple of verses. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Hosea, the second chapter, about the hedge of thorns or hedge of protection. And you can pray that hedge around somebody who's going the wrong way, the drugs, wherever they're going. The Lord, we just ask for that hedge around around them. Yeah. And that you hedge their way up. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's use these weapons that Paul yeah. describes here, these weapons that we got. Um, keep in mind when we get into this that Paul uh, many times was on a ship or in chains or incarcerated in one way or the other. A lot of times in chains. How, how many times did he mention the chains that he was in? When he was in prison in Rome. And the, the alliteration, I think that's a word, that he uses here, it, it describes a Roman centurion or a, someone that's in charge that has body armor on. So Paul's writing all this stuff, looking at that very man and how he was protected. So that was a fleshly protection. All right, let's go on. Um, who ruled this world and, and against wicked spirits in heavenly realm. 
Okay, verse 13. Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And I think we're in a time of evil right now. I think the world goes through stages where evil just is on every side. There's times of peace, as the Scripture says. There's times of war, times of gather, time to reap. Uh, but you can just... The Second World War was pure evil. What was it? What do you What do you guys think was the first motivation for the Second World War? Was it Israel? No. Oh yeah. That's part of it. What uh, What other motivations were there? Huh? Pride. Self righteousness. The demon possessed man. Okay. Pride had a lot to do with. All right. Where do all them things that we mentioned come from? Where does pride and evil and things? It comes from the enemy. And then Israel is part of that because the devil hates Israel. He's God's chosen people. This is an eternal battle that's going on. It's just not a second world war. It's a battle for eternity. And how can I say it's a battle for eternity? Because it's a battle for our soul. Okay, what happened then was the extermination of the Jews was part of it. That's been going on for thousands and thousands of years. The, you know, uh, God put that name on them. You are my people and I'll be your God. And boy, when you get that name on you, there's a lot that goes on. And sometimes in our life, too, I mean, we don't suffer like them people did, but we have our own ways of suffering. And so all this is spiritually motivated. It's all behind the scenes working. And anti-Semitism is rising again. Uh, in Europe, all over the place. And um, Israel has learned as a nation to believe in in God's divine sovereign protection because there's no way that that country should even exist today without the promises of God telling them that it was going to happen. Yes? Wasn't it also because uh, Hitler's upper upper team were all involved in paganistic? Oh, yeah. Yes, they were. They brought it all back. Yeah back alive and that put that principality over that nation yeah. another thing I found out the other day because I'm a history buff and everything is people didn't understand Blitzkrieg how many of you know what Blitzkrieg is that's what they did the German army they call it Blitzkrieg they could go in and conquer a country in two or three weeks you know a whole country Poland is a swept east and uh, there was a, a thing I saw the other day that Hitler and his upper echelon as was said were involved in meth, what do you call that? Crystal, uh, what do you call it? Yeah, Methamphetamine. They, they invented meth. They, yeah, I didn't know that, but they actually invented methamphetamine, which we're picking up kids and putting them in jail and people are selling them. Huh? To keep the soldiers up strong. That's how Blitzkrieg actually happened. First off, it was demonic, but then they said, how did, how did they do that? It, they were just absolutely crazy with drugs and occultish. Wow. Thing. They also suffered from syphilis. Yeah. Well, that'll make you want to get the battle over quick. So. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. It was advanced. All this is spiritually motivated. That's the point I'm trying to make. It's all spiritually, and it plays out in the flesh. That's why Paul wants to tell us that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It gets reduced to that. But Israel knows God's protection. They're surrounded by a billion Arabs. Seven million surrounded by a billion, them are not good odds. But God keeps his promises. Amen. 
And it's just like, with, uh, was it Elijah or Elisha? My uh, brain is kind of unplugging. When God said, oh, it was Elijah. When he went and hid, God said, he said, I'm the only one left that's serving God. And God said, no, there's 7,000 other ones around here. So it might seem like we're outnumbered at times, but those that endure to the end will win a crown of life. Right. Yes? The word pharmakia in the Greek is often used as one, one sometimes translated witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And it is a fact that a lot of the witches through history used all kinds of drugs, including hallucinogenic drugs, in combination with other things. Wow. So, you know, to see their visions, they don't take drugs uh, and act on these things. Of course, Satan was behind it. Right. But they would act at his bidding under the influence of drugs. This is why pharmacia is used in Well, one, one thing I know that's going on right now in the world is back in the 60s when I was goofy, still a little bit goofy, but really goofy, um, hallucinogenic drugs were a big deal. Yep. Then that went away for quite a few years, but it's all coming back on the scene again, hallucinogens. There's a lot of people getting involved in that again. And that's all satanic, and it's, it causes people to act out things in the flesh. Uh, I'm not going to get finished with Ephesians, do I? So anyhow, verse 13, use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil so that after the battle you will be standing firm. How many of you fought a battle this week? Any battles? If you didn't, yours is coming, but you're going to win. Verse 14, it says, stand your ground putting on the sturdy belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Not our righteousness, but God's righteousness serves as body armor. His righteousness is our protection. If through faith, what do we become? The righteousness of? We become the righteousness of God because He is righteous. But... In order to stand your ground, you need to put on a sturdy belt. We all know what a belt does. Okay? A belt. Huh? Keeps your riches up. Yeah. Well, I don't know how to equate that, but you can't fight a battle with your britches around your ankle. Okay? You just can't fight it that way. I, that, I don't read that anywhere in Scripture, but that's my alliteration of the thing. It's hard to fight. Yes? This 14 is very important in another way, too, because it's also any armor of this day that most of your offensive weapons were attached to your belt. Okay. You know, like your sword and, and uh, different things like that and the breastplate itself was actually connected with the belt. Right. So that they were an unbroken unit. Okay, that's a good I didn't know that. I didn't I didn't think about that. All your weapons were attached to your belt. If you see a policeman today, he's got all kinds yeah. of junk. I don't know how they sit in a cruiser with all that stuff on them. Don't look like they could get comfortable for a minute. But, okay, that helps you with your understanding of wearing a sturdy belt to carry your weapons. And remember that your body armor is God's righteousness, okay? All right, verse 15. For shoes, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Or have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. So for shoes, what are your shoes symbolic of you're going somewhere? Okay, you put on your shoes because you're heading out the door. You're heading away to do something and put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully.
prepared. Verse 16. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield. Amen. Every battle, you need faith. The just are saved by faith. Why is faith so important? Because in the battle, that's what causes you to stand. In every battle, you need to take the shield. Well, well, imagine now we're going back to the Roman centurion again. He would use the shield. A shield wasn't a permanent thing. A shield was a movable protection for his head, whatever. You know, shields. It was also a weapon. They could use shields as a weapon because they had them sharpened and honed down and everything like that. But... um, that means that the attacks of the enemy come in all different directions. Right. Some people in here suffer from problems that other people don't suffer from. And it could be an attack. It could be a depression. You could have a, 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 a demonic influence that causes severe depression. And other people might say, ah, don't worry about that kind of stuff. But it's real. And that's why the, he says, take the shield of faith that, because you can move that shield around. You you have your weapon, but you can't fight without defense. So that's what it says there with the shield. And it said it will stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Well, back in those days, they had bows and arrows, didn't they? Yes. How many of you watched them movies where they're attacking a fort and the guys are all up on the hill and they put like 10,000 arrows up in the air? And no matter how weak the arrow might look after it goes up so high and comes back down, guess what? It picks up speed, don't it? You ever seen it where they all take their shield and they all kneel down? And they put the shield over their head and it's almost like a whole ceiling of protection from them arrows. They can't penetrate the shield, but if the shield's not in the right place, then it, there can be, uh, it'll penetrate and there's, there's hurt. Okay, everybody with me so far? Making any sense tonight? Wow. It says that you be able to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by who? By Satan. Wow. Verse 17. Put on salvation as your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Is that available to us, the sword of the Spirit? That's our weapon, right? These other things have been about a protection and standing your ground and everything. But the sword of the spirit is the word of God. That puts us in attack mode there because we have a sword. How many of you refer to your Bible as a sword sometimes? Sword of the spirit. Barry's got one right there. Sword of the spirit. That's an attack weapon. Fights off the enemy. And once you stand your ground, as they said here, that you'll be able to stand your ground and to stop them arrows, then you put on your helmet of salvation and take the sword because now it's your time to go and be aggressive about things. But you've got to have the guarantee of the word behind you, okay? Let's go on. Uh, verse 18, pray at all times. Amen. And I've often said that there's times for prayer, but you can pray without ceasing, as Paul says. You can make your whole life, yeah. your whole daily life a prayer. Yes, man. What is, uh, is praise like a prayer to God? Yes. Lord, I pray. I, you know what Jesus did? 
a lot of times when he prayed, he said, I thank you, Father. And then he would make his, I thank you, Father, he'd say, that you hear me. And I know, and see, he had that guarantee that, that he was heard. So that's a prayer, and that's a form of worship. I don't know about you, but um, all just about everything I do, God has an influence. I mean, I, I do wrong sometimes, like everybody else does. But thank God it's your conscience Amen. that we all have a conscience built in that is like our, a governor on our engine because we will do the wrong thing without a, you know, a governor limits your speed. But I have a conscience, and that's why uh, Paul said always have a clear conscience in your dealings with one another. If you don't have a clear conscience with somebody, it's usually because of unforgiveness in one way or another. So that's why we have to forgive one another and clear our conscience of culpability there. That's when the Spirit can take over, and that's when unity takes place. Okay? But we need to pray at all times. Um, I'm cutting the grass. I pray. I mean, it's not like a, a formal thing, but it's like, God, what am I supposed to do about this? God, what do you think about that? What am I supposed to do? So your conscience is in good shape if you realize that when you're doing things that are not pleasing to God, at least you still feel it, which is very important. Because it says in Romans, is it that it says they have had their conscience seared? Well, what's that seared mean there? What's that mean? Something seared's pretty much burned up, ain't it? Or? When you, if you see a wood, if you burn it with a blowtorch, it blackens it. Mm-hmm. Rain, water, nothing can penetrate it. Okay. It actually waterproofs it, stops it being penetrated. So once you see it, it means it's, it's very hard to get in. It's hard. So your your conscience could be seared, right? Yeah. yeah. Hardened to the point where nothing can penetrate it. Okay. Oh, really? Creates a crust. Okay. Well. All right, so um, we don't want to be like that. Thank God for a conscience, man. Thank God that we all got a conscience. If you're beyond feeling when it comes to issues of right and wrong, you're in a dangerous place. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, you are in a dangerous place. That's what Romans chapter 1 is all about, which we studied also. Okay, let's go on. Uh, Anyhow. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We all know how important that is. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. Amen. And verse 19, now he shifts it to a personal note. And he says, and pray for me too. Amen. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles also. That's who we are, were. And here he mentions he's changed in verse 20. He says, I am in change now for preaching the gospel, the message of God's, uh, for, for preaching this message of God's ambassador. He's in change for being an ambassador of the Lord. But pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. How many of you have ever tried witnessing? You know, witnessing is a very frustrating, very frustrating thing. Anybody been frustrated when you try to penetrate that crust? It's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do. And, and sometimes in our presentation of the gospel, we, with well-meaning, we sometimes alienate people. 
Because just because I'm saved does not allow me the privilege of taking on a higher attitude toward other people. Amen. I mean, what I am is blessed. I'm blessed because this message that Paul says, pray for me that I will keep on speaking boldly for him. Well, pray for all of us that we would, what did Peter say? Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. I'm paraphrasing again. And so, uh, Amen. <laughs> it's hard to break through the crust if we don't use the right approach. I believe that the lost should be loved. Yes, right. Not judged, but loved. Amen. Now, you say, well, how does that play into politics? We've got Democrats, Republicans. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. Amen. Some people have never heard the gospel. Never heard it. But they're just as important as the most important world leader or anything else. And so, and the Bible teaches in Romans that we're supposed to have respect for our authorities, that God has placed them there. If it's a time of correction, then it's a time of correction. The Bible says that he raises up kings and brings down kings. Now, you might say, well, this is all hard for me to figure out. Well, yeah, I get that. But at the same time, this is what the Bible tells us to do. So we've got to maneuver our way to what God really wants. Okay? Uh, let me go on. And, uh, but pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him. Now, said all that, we're finishing up with Ephesians. We've got about 10 minutes. And I'm going to introduce you to a guy that probably nobody knew in the Bible before this. Don't look at your Bible. Anybody know who Tishikas is? You knew that. I never knew who Tishikas was. Yeah. He's going to start off the next verse, in verse 21. Now, he suffered with Paul, and in our Bible reading, most of us don't even know that this man existed. Because he traveled with Paul. Unless you're a real student of the Scripture, you didn't know who Tishikas was. You know, you just didn't know. But he was a hero of the Gospel. And I'm going to show you how many times Paul referred to him or depended on him. And the point I'm making here is everybody is important in the kingdom. And if we put on the whole armor of God, then we are mighty warriors for God. And Tychicus was a convert. He was from Ephesus. And we don't even, you know, if you just preach a sermon on Tychicus, nobody would even, who's this Tychicus guy? I don't know except a few of you, but he was important in the kingdom. And I'm telling you tonight that everybody in here is important in the kingdom. Your name might, his name made the Bible, your name might not, but there was one man that was converted, and I'm going to show you what Paul used him for real quick. Remember, he had to put on the armor of God and everything, okay? Verse 21, it says, Tishikas, a much beloved brother, okay? He was a Beloved brother and faithful helper in the Lord's work. And he said, I'm sending them to him and he will tell you about how I am getting along. Because Paul had founded most of those churches or been involved in it. And Paul was like the top dog. He made two missionary trips to Rome. And it's, it's amazing that Tychicus just appears on the scene here in Ephesians. 
And Paul entrusted him with the Lord's work. And he said, he will tell you everything about how I'm getting along because they were starved for news of how Paul was doing. Look what else it says. He said, I'm sending you, sending him to you for just this purpose. He will let you know how we are. How many of you have ever been put in a position where you had to speak for God or speak for somebody and tell them, this is how we are. Paul trusted him. That's why we need to trust one another and and have unity in the churches between pastors and everybody else because somebody sometimes will be called, you go tell them how how this thing is. It's just like going on a mission trip somewhere. My name's not in here. Your name's not in here, but Tishka's was. We didn't even know who he was. Some of us, I didn't before today. And all of a sudden I find out Paul trusted him with the gospel. How many of you have been entrusted with the gospel? We all have. And this is the first mention that Paul said. He said, he will let you know how we are and he will encourage you. Okay. Now, this is all done. We put on the armor of God. We've studied Ephesians. We understand what God's done for us. We understand what our response should be to him. And then he says, well, I'm going to show you an example of the armor of God. This is a guy that you've never heard of before, but let me tell you who he is. Okay? There's people doing work all over the world today that we never hear about. But God knows who they are. And one day we might know about them. Amen? Well, I got to, I got to get going here, okay? Uh, he, okay, in Ephesians, he called him a dear brother and a faithful servant. This is Tychicus. Okay, now go to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And we're going to go to verse 7. I think we're going to meet up with this fellow again. I didn't even know he was in here once, but you know he's in here five or six times. It's amazing, isn't it? There's so much about the Bible that we don't know that we can learn from. Okay. And then in verse 7, he says, Tishikus, there he is again, a much-loved brother. And he will tell you how I'm getting along. He is faithful helper who serves the Lord with me. Wow. I have sent him on this special trip to let you know how we are doing, and to encourage you. Almost the same thing he said to the other church. And he says, I'm sending, and he says, I'm sending Onesimus, faithful and much beloved brother, one of our, your own people, and he and Tishikus will give you all the latest news. What are we supposed to have our feet shod with? Preparation of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. He was entrusted to go tell everybody the good news. That's why I love when missionaries come through the church and they get up and we let them talk because they're going to tell you some good news that this is the way that things are happening. Is it tough? Yeah, it's tough. Remember, Tishikus made a couple of trips with Paul back and forth. I don't know if he was shipwrecked with him or not, but he knew suffering. But the end result is, again, here he is proclaiming the word of the Lord. And Paul, how many of you know that when you're with somebody for a long time, you not only learn their good characteristics, but their bad characteristics. I'm sure, you know, Paul had disagreements with just about everybody. Think about it. 
I'm not wrong. He argued with this one. He even argued with Peter, who was like top dog at the time. He didn't like the way Peter did things. And he had a, a, a split with who else? Barnabas and Silas. He said their disagreement was so strong that he wouldn't take him with him on his next missionary trip. But you know what? It didn't discourage him. He hooked up with somebody else and away they went. Because the good news is bigger than problems. Amen. Okay. All right. So that's there he is again. And what did he do there? He called him a good and faithful minister and a fellow servant. Um, and in both Ephesians and Colossians, Paul is sending him to encourage the churches. Now go to Titus chapter 3. And you say, why do I need to know this? Because you can learn the importance of everybody in the gospel. Now look, still the same guy. Look what it says here. I love this. Titus 3.12. And Paul's writing to Titus, of course, because it's a letter to Titus. But he says this. I'm planning to send unto you Artemis or Tychicus to you. Why? As soon as one of them, now remember, Paul's in a great place of responsibility. As a matter of fact, he's sitting in Rome in prison. And he says, as soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet me. Or I misspoke that. Paul, this is his first missionary journey. He had a second one. He said, do your best to meet me at, at Nicopolis as quickly as you can, for I've decided to stay there for the winter. Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos with their trip seeing that they are given everything that they need for our people should not have unproductive lives. They must learn to do good by helping others have urgent needs. So he was sending them so that they could lose the responsibility or not completely lose, but give up the responsibility that they had in the church and free them up. Tychicus was going to, in other words, he was going to relieve Titus. How many of you know that you need people that you can trust that got your back in times of need. Paul had all this stuff on him, the care of the churches. He even mentioned, I forget what epistle it is where he mentioned, he had all this on me, the chains and everything else, plus he said, the care of the church. And when he said the care of the church, he knew what he was talking about. But Tychicus was qualified enough that he could send him to relieve Titus. That's why it's so important in churches and in Christianity to have somebody you can trust around you. Imagine the responsibility that he had. That's another time he was mentioned. And then we got one more. 2 Timothy 4.12. I might have to read quite a few verses on this. Let me see here. Let me... Okay, hold on a minute. I got to find where I want to start with this one. Four twelve. Yeah, there's another one. He's in here somewhere else too. Uh, 
Not bots, Is that Tishikus there? I know I had more. Uh, Second Timothy, yeah. Second Timothy Okay, I must have I missed one of my notes here because, uh, well, anyhow, he says I sent Tychicus to uh, to Ephesus, which was his hometown. When you come, be sure to bring the coat that I left with Carpus and Troy. Isn't it amazing that the Book of Life they're talking about bringing a coat? God sees every need and every necessity. Bring the coat that I left there. Also, bring my books and especially my papers. But there's another place in here where Paul says that he is supposed to relieve Timothy so Timothy can join him in his second trip to Rome. And this, this uh, was written right before his execution. That he trusted that Tychicus could join him in Rome. That he had enough confidence in him to say, send him after he finishes up. So we see where Tychicus was used a couple of times. He relieved Titus. He relieved uh, Timothy. And he was a trusted servant of the Apostle Paul. And he could trust him while he was in jail. Now what's all this value? Well, we're no different than Tychicus. We're no different than Paul. You know, we, he, you know what he put on? The armor of God. What do we have? The armor of God. First, it lets us withstand the enemy and all his devices, his cunning devices. Now, we don't profess to be Paul or anybody like that, but as we have stated tonight on a couple of occasions, we have the weapons at our disposal to be in, the, in that group. That's who Tychicus was. How many of you really knew who he was before we came in here tonight? Anybody? Raise your hand if you did. Tell the truth. Mike did. Anybody else? Catherine did, right? Or did you go read it? Yes, she did. She raised her hand. She, raised, she, she knew. Anybody else? You knew who Tishikas was? Barry? You knew who he was? Well, what's the matter with the rest of us? How come we didn't know who he was? <laughs> yes. Uh, what, what's important about Tishikas, too, I think, is that he had a, what you call a health uh-huh. And it just shows us that people that put yep. the tables and the chairs out are just as important yep. as the man who teaches, preachers, or whatever, that we're all Amen. needed. Amen. We're all, and one of us is an eye, and one of us is a, is a stomach. And a, the body fitly joined together. Yeah. Well, uh, at the end of Romans, there's this list of people that have been of a great aid to the gospel, like Phoebe. How many of you know what Phoebe did? Yeah. yeah. I mean, all these people that Paul mentioned... We just kind of skim over it because, oh, the good part's over. Now he's just going into a big list. Well, I'm going to tell you something. God likes lists. You know how I know? Because the very first book of the New Testament is what? It's a list. And I often read that when I was a new Christian. thought, what's all this? What's, what's, why do I need to know this one begot that one and that one begot this one? Because God has, and we've talked about this many times in this study, He has a line of authority. And do you know that our Savior had some checkered people in His past? People that we probably would have kicked out of church. But they're in the heritage or the, the, uh, the lineage of our Savior. Through faith. That's exactly right. And He starts Matthew with this and all the way down and he gets to Jesus and it works out numerically and everything else which just proves to me how smart God is because he's got all this worked out if we'll just pay attention to what he's trying to tell us so what's the end result of Ephesians I was going to do questions and answers we don't have time now 
because um, I talk too much as usual. But uh, uh, it just shows you, now that we've studied this book, first off, recognize what God has done for us. Secondly, recognize what our response should be to what He has done. Okay? And then put on the armor of God that we'll be able to be good Christians. Not perfect Christians. Yeah, Dan. Yeah. The shield. Paul talks a lot about being soldiers, soldiers for Christ, mm-hmm. taking the ground. All this stuff, he's describing the soldier right here. And the shield of faith. He's dealing with Romans. And they were known for their tactics. And they all had shields. And they would link the shields together. Yeah. In unity. And when they went to battle, they would draw closer to each other yeah. where the enemy could not penetrate yeah. uh-huh. and when they'd fire those fiery arrows they would cover them yeah. the second row and they would have almost like a tank yeah. coming in and they were brutal they beat off the enemy yeah. and that's what we should do well it only comes to unity though it comes to unity and we all work together you know who's on your left you know who's on your right yeah. you know those who labor among you yeah. right. and know who's going to stand with you in that battle you can Amen. trust in that battle yeah. You know, who's not going to run? Who you can go to for prayer? Amen. Who's going to agree with you for prayer? Yeah. Who's going to stand with you? So we, we put together. It's all in unity. Right. And when we do that, we cannot be stopped. How many of you have ever uh, read or watched, I'm sure everybody in here has, the trilogy by Tolkien? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Return of the King, The Fellowship of the Rings. What was the first one? Did you, you know who was like the savior character in that movie? Yeah. It was Gandalf, yeah. wasn't it? No, it was, it's Frodo's friend. Frodo's friend. Because he's the one that keeps Frodo going. Right. Frodo wouldn't have made Samwise. it without Samwise. Right. And the other guy, Gandalf, he always showed up in a time of uh, great distress and he yeah. would rescue everybody. That whole thing, book, movie, everything, was based on the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect... Um, C.S. Lewis did that. Tolkien did it. Uh, these were great authors, but they they put it into um, whatever. That's what they put it into. So allegory. There it is. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Okay. So. Huh? Well, and I like how they depicted evil in the movies. Them guys were always ugly. Yes. Weren't they? Because evil is ugly, and you ever notice how the people that took care of uh, took care of business—they were all pretty boys and everything—and all the women were beautiful. <laughs> Maybe it was just me—I don't know. But I know all them guys were. I was never so. You know, the scaredest I've ever been in my life was another example of good against evil, which is based on scripture. Was the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz was the scariest thing that a young kid could ever see when he was young. With that wicked old witch, and and she'd be going down the road on her bicycle going, and she's, I'll get you, my pretty, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's right. And and in, and in her castle, what did she have in her castle? Who was her? 
bunch of ugly guys. And it was a great allegory between goodness and sin. All right. And in all those classic movies like that, they use shields. You know, now in modern warfare, we don't use shields a whole lot. We have bulletproof armor and everything. Yeah, last word. There's another thing that shows how important shields are, too. Because in the Roman army, there was always an officer who would order, would say one word in command. He would say, to do though, which means turtle. Uh-huh. And that meant, yeah. put your shields together. And even before then, in the Greek world, the elite warriors of the Greek were called hoplites. And the word for shield is hopla. Okay. Wow. I'm learning a lot of stuff here. I'm learning how to be tethered to this for sure without pulling it off. You've been watching me, haven't you? No, it's okay. Hey, thank you guys for being faithful to Bible study every Wednesday. Now, I want you to know we're taking two weeks because next Wednesday is Christmas Day and the Wednesday after that is New Year's Day. We'll be picking it up in January again, the Bible study. Okay, everybody good with that? Amen. Uh, We hope to see you all Sunday. Those of you can make it. Be here for the dinner and a couple little things we're going to be doing. We're going to have a good time. If you can't be here on Sunday, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and uh, enjoy your holidays. Amen. Enjoy the birth of Christ with your family yeah. or whatever else is going on. And be safe. Yeah. Okay, let's pray. Father God, thank you that for your word, yeah. the sword of the Spirit. Lord, we feel confidence when we reach into your word, Lord, because it's there for us. Lord, we just thank you that we've been called as ambassadors, not in chains, but ambassadors of your good news. So, Lord, I ask that you be with every family represented here tonight. Let them have peace and joy through this Christmas season. Let everything come together, Lord, and let the focus shift from this lawlessness and things going on around us to the goodness of God. Lord, we just thank you, and we thank you above all that we are blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.